Episode 80, Bonus Edition, Interview with Nicole Turner. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. In fact, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. Today is a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator, Nicole Turner. She's got quite an empowering message. So this episode is going to be a little different than the other interviews I've done. I met Nicole through a common social media group of educators, and as she asked questions to the group, I would chime in, and that's how we got to know each other. In fact, she told me, Thank you for helping me to uh, develop me um, at this stage. Um, it has, I truly believe God put people in your path to help you to, um, you know, streamline your focus. And so I appreciate and the opportunity and all your feedback. So as we started talking one-on-one, that's when I truly learned the strength of this person. Her story is unlike anything I have ever heard of before, and I can't do it justice myself. So I decided I'm just going to pass the mic over to her, and she'll start from the beginning and just walk you through the events that really shaped who she is from broken bones to broken spirits on more than a dozen occasions. She is a phenomenal educator with the drive and determination of a soldier. And what she has faced and how far she has come in the educational field is beyond measure. So no matter what, she just keeps moving forward. And she told me, It's been a challenge, but one thing's for sure, I have been through much worse. Being a single mother, living on welfare, and Section 8 housing to college degrees and great jobs, I can handle this. So tune in if you want to be empowered by someone who has been there and done that. Hi, Gretchen. Thank you so much for the opportunity um, to speak with you kind of about my journey onto the field of education. It has definitely been a roller coaster ride and It is nothing more but exciting um, to be able to share this with others and other educators. And hopefully that this would inspire others to keep going even when um, times are tough. My name is Nicole Turner, and I currently work for Indianapolis Public Schools in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I am currently an instructional coach for a 712 building. Um, And kind of a little bit about my experiences as far as where I am now. Um, and kind of where I go. So I'll kind of start it with my childhood. Um, I think that, well, growing up, I came from a a two-parent family home, which was very exciting. Uh, Me and my mom and dad, and I was the youngest. I have an older brother, um, and my mom adopted my cousin, who kind of lived with me, so I was the baby, uh, with two big brothers that were very protective. Um, I went to Catholic school most of my life, um, graduated from Andrean, and I went on to college to a HBCU. Um, I was very excited to be there. Didn't really know what to expect, but uh, HBCU was definitely um, a great opportunity. 
But while at the HBCU, I didn't perform. I was definitely a spoiled brat little girl. I can say that. <laughs> um, and my parents definitely uh, babied me and make sure that I had everything that I needed. And so it was kind of a struggle in that transition time um, when it came to me being able to do what it is that I needed to do and, and kind of handle business. Um, and so I had to grow up and my mom and dad had me to come home. But while I was at Hampton University, I got the opportunity to be a part of the Naval ROTC program. Um, and that program was awesome. It was excellent. I got opportunities to be on ships and do different things like that. Met a lot of uh, sailors and it was a great opportunity. When I came back from Hampton, I kind of did an internship um, in the uh, purchasing department for the sanitary district in my uh, city. And that experience gave me um, what I wanted to do with business, accounting, um, and kind of those things. And I kind of found myself uh, really loving the business field. And so from that point, um, I decided that I wanted to go back off to school, but I just didn't know if going back to school was right at that point. Um, I knew that I had had some experiences in the military and decided to enlist in the Navy. Um, I did take that opportunity to kind of spend a year. Um, I went to boot camp. While in boot camp, um, I did get injured and I broke both of my legs in several places during one of the boot camp uh, activities. So I kind of stayed there for a while and healed and then I kind of had the opportunity to come home. Um, my mother owned a very, um, I, I will say, a very good beauty salon. Um, it was very successful in the city. And so I grew up as a beauty shop baby, as some people will say. Well, I spent my, a lot of my childhood um, as the beautician's daughter running around the beauty salon. At that time, when I came back from the military, I decided to go to beauty school because I didn't know if I really wanted to go to college. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but my mom had been in um going to school for education since I was in the fourth grade. She was taking one, one class a semester all the way until I graduated from high school and went on to college. And then she graduated and, and became a, a teacher, but she still owned her salon. And so I decided to go to beauty school in Chicago to Dudley's, which was one of the top um, beauty colleges for African-Americans at the time. And I just went to nail, nail school um, and went through that whole process. At that time, I went back to the military and told them that I had went to uh, beauty school and that I no longer wanted to be in the military. And I was granted being um, a general discharge. Um, and then I decided to work in my mom's salon and kind of take over the salon a little bit and do nails. Um, during that time, I was dating a, a gentleman who was I thought was great at the time, and, and he still is pretty cool guy um but i kind of took over my mom's business and then that's when i really fell in love with the business field and knew that that's what i wanted to do um and so during that time it was exciting it was fun um, i was you know making a decent amount of money to take care of myself and then um i went i, I decided i was going to stop doing nails um in a salon with my mom and I was going back to school. At that time, I found out that I had a, uh, a mini scholarship program because my father was a veteran. And then because I had went to the military, I was able to get some 
some other type of uh, benefits. And so I decided to go to Indiana State University. While at Indiana State University, I continued to date someone and I got pregnant. At that time, I really didn't know exactly that I was pregnant. I found out when I was about five months. Um, I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but really, um, I literally did not know that I was pregnant and I was about 20 weeks, um, almost five months pregnant when I found out that I was pregnant with my oldest son. Um, at that time, I then spoke with my parents and they were very, very uh, disappointed um, in dealing with that whole situation. Um, and so I kind of left college, moved back, um, had the child. There was a lot of differences between my parents and myself, as you know, it probably could be as a 20 year old. Um, having a baby out of wedlock, um, young, and they had, uh, you know, higher aspirations for me. Um, and so at that time, I felt myself very alone. Um, and then I went to figure out a plan. And so my plan was I had to find somewhere for me and for my son um, to stay. He was about three months, not three months, maybe about two, two months, two and a half months old. Um, and I had applied for the Section 8 lottery in my city. Um, and so my name was chosen, um, which was like a, a blessing. I had no idea, but uh, my name was chosen and I was given a Section 8 apartment. Um, the first Section 8 apartment I had was kind of far off um, and it wasn't uh, close to my parents, but it was further away. Um, and I just remember those times of... Uh, not necessarily being in the safest environment, but definitely having my son. Um, I remember that the, by towards the end, I had Joshua was born in August. I remember in November looking at him and trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do um, now that I had to raise a son. Um, his father and I were no longer together. Um, he was not um, involved at all, and it was just me, him. My parents were kind of at odds with me, and uh, my oldest brother, he kind of was there, but not kind of going through his own thing. My cousin was nowhere to be found, so I found myself alone. Um, and so at that point, I decided that I would put my voucher on hold, my Section 8 voucher, and I was going to go back um, to college. And so... At that time, I decided I'm just going to go for business because I love business and that is exactly where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. So I packed up my um, son and we moved um, from Northwest Indiana to Indianapolis. I was able to stay in family housing um, on campus, which again was not so safe um, for me and for him, but I moved. It was fully furnished. I just had his, his uh, crib. My dad brought it down and that pretty much was it, left me here. I can remember the struggle of um, not having any money. And I had a friend who came down from Chicago when uh, Joshua was, um, when he was little and I didn't have any formula and I didn't have any food and I didn't have any of those things. And I cried and he came to the door and he just helped me out. He was a, a great friend, still a great friend to this day. Um, and so, from that point on, I believe is when things start to change for me. I started to notice that it was time that um, I persevered 
and that I was going to push past whatever it is and whatever struggle um, that I was going to be to be in business because in business is what I wanted to be. My mom was now a teacher and all of my cousins were teachers. Um, all of everyone that I knew was a teacher and I was running from being a teacher. It was not going to be a teacher. And so I decided um, to to stay in school. And that was a really, really rough semester. I was away from anyone that I ever knew. Um, and so finally, I did get a job and I was working full time and I had Joshua and I was going to school part time and I could not live on campus and go to school part time. So at that particular point, um, family housing said I could not stay there, but of course I needed the money to take care of my son. So I had to move into an apartment. It was about two weeks or three weeks I had moved in. And of course I couldn't live in the best of neighborhoods because I couldn't afford that, but they busted, someone busted into my apartment and took everything that we had, um, our TVs and, and all of those things. And so at that point, um, I was able to wigwag my lease and I went back um, to Northwest Indiana. I left Indianapolis and so I tried to figure out exactly what it is I was gonna do. It was now the summer, Joshua was turning one um, and I was able to get my Section A voucher back. Um, I don't quite know how, uh, but it was a blessing that I was able to get that Section A voucher back. And so I did. And so um, I got the voucher, moved into the apartment um, complex where I was in and decided to go back to school, but the only program that I could truly get into was a private school program. So I had to get a ton of student loans and I couldn't use any of kind of my father's benefits, um, but I just decided that I was just going to go and that was just what I, is that I was going to do. Um, and so I kept going and I kept going. And I think that uh, that was what it is that I wanted to, to, to set an example for Joshua. Um, during that time, um, I was, I had met another guy and I was dating him and he was in school as well. And so we kind of helped each other out and he helped me with Josh and, and it was, it was a great opportunity um, for, or, or I, I wouldn't say opportunity, I, it was a great help <laughs> to me and to Josh um, at that time. And so I still wanted to be in business, still wanted to be in business. And so one day um, I had got to a point so far in my program where the school that I attended was very small and the program said that um, I needed these other really, really hard classes. And I can remember having a conversation with my mother and she sat down and she talked to me woman to woman at this point. And it was, um, Nicole, you have a child at this particular time and you have to um, seek employment that will allow you to still be a parent as a single mother. And I kept saying like, what is that mom? Like, what is that? And she said, Nicole, you really, really need to um, look into the field of education. You are great with children and you are great, you know, with helping people to see and coaching and those types of things. Even when you were in the salon, you were really helpful. You had that people personality. And my mother really, really pushed it that day. So that Next week, I went and I spoke with the counselor and found out that I was able to, that I needed to take these tests, and I was able to go into teaching. And so, um, with luck was have it, I had passed a test when I first got out of college, because I just went and took the test with my mom, because she was taking the teacher test, and she said, hey, you're going to take the teacher test when I graduate from high school, I mean, 
And so I took the teacher test and I had passed one in order to take your um, block classes at that time, you had to have passed one part of the praxis and you could work on the other two parts as you were going through the process. And so I did, I had already passed it and look what happened. I was accepted and able to go into the education program. And so I, throughout that process of going through that program, um, it was hard, it was, it was a struggle. I can remember the days where um, my lights got cut off. I can remember the days where um, Joshua was at the babysitter until uh, midnight. My father really did step in at that time and he helped me because I went to school from, I was in a cohort program, so I went to school from 8 to 12.30. And then I would stay at the library from 12.30 until 3. And then I would work from 4 to 12 at McDonald's as a manager, just so that I could try to make sure that Joshua and I had food and we had um, a roof over our heads. And even though the Section 8, I had Section 8, I still had to pay like 12 14 $16 or $20. One year was a hundred dollar rent, um, but I still had to pay the NIPSCO bill and all of those types of bills. And so just to take care of Josh and pay the daycare. And so after um, the process of me um, working um, at McDonald's and being a manager um, and working um, and not seeing my son for sometimes days, um, maybe unless he would come through the drive-through with my dad and I would give him a happy meal um, or something like that. That was one of the, the hardest times, um, I believe, to be um, a mom to Josh. Um, and so at that particular time, as I kept going to school, kept going through the process, um, I found myself uh, pregnant with my daughter. Um, it was not, I wouldn't say, it was not the best <laughs> situation um, at that particular time. Um, but she was, and I would never say that, that she wasn't meant to be because she is one of my most inspirational um, people, one of the most inspirational people that I know. Um, and so at that time, I had to take my next test and I had failed the reading portion and I have failed the writing portion and I have taken them both. And so I was pregnant with Kristen and I needed to go and take the reading test. And I was at this small school that only offered classes and blocks one time a year. Um, at that particular point, um, I mean, point in time, I had not passed the test. I could not go any further. I was completely stopped in education. Um, and so I went to the counselor and I was like, I'm having another baby and this is a struggle and I'm stuck. Like exactly what is it that I, I can I do? Um, and they literally told me nothing. You have to wait another two years. But one thing that I had previously was a bunch of business credits. And so when I looked at that whole program, it was like, I went to the counselor crying and I said, I just need to get a degree. I don't know what it is that I could do. I have no idea where to go. So they said, hey, Nicole, we're gonna allow you to do a portfolio with some life experiences because I had been to the military and because I had went to beauty school. And so I could write some of those life experiences and get some college credit for that. And so they were able to give me a general studies degree with a minor in business management and a minor in education, which is something I think they kind of just made up so that I could then graduate. And so my daughter was born and I had to take a few more classes and wrote the, um, I wrote the 
the portfolio and submitted it and I was able to graduate. Um, my daughter was born in May and I was able to graduate in August, the following August, she was one and I was able to graduate um, with a bachelor's degree in general studies. But again, the question became, what are you gonna do with the uh, general studies? By this time I had passed all of my practice tests and I didn't wanna wait another year for another bachelor's degree. And so I was speaking with a friend of mine and she said, hey, I know this lady, they were all teachers. I know this lady at IPS, um, and which is Indianapolis Public Schools, and she knows a program or she knows something that can help you to get a master's degree and go through this transition to teaching program. And I said, but I already got teaching classes and I already got the block and I already got this. And they were like, well, you could go through this program again. So I called, cannot remember the lady's name to this day, but I called her and I said, um, you know, I explained who I was, what my situation was. And she said, call this number, ask for this lady. Um, and I called that number and I asked for that lady. And she said, do you have a bachelor's? I said, yes. She said, have you passed all sides of your practice? I said, yes. She said, the only thing you need to take is the MAT, which is the Miller's Analogies Test. And you can come here and in one year, we will, you can get your master's degree and a teaching license all in one year. And I said, what? <laughs> and she said, yes. And she said, we looked at your undergrad and you know, you have the experience because sometimes they, they have you to work in the schools for so long to do the transition program. It was a new program um, that they were having and they were Indianapolis Public Schools were funding it for some of their teachers um, to go there because they had a, I guess a, a connection or something with them. Um, but I had to pay for it out of pocket, which was fine. Um, and so I spent two and a half weeks, well, three weeks actually on campus um, doing a very intensive work for that entire summer. So I, I was able to send my children uh, with my parents or with their, their father. Um, and I was living on campus for three, four weeks um, and really, really uh, took the program and took those intensive classes were very hard that summer. Um, and then I was able, because I was in a transition to teaching program, I was able to become a teacher. I was able to get a, a license, a emergency permit license this one particular year. And so I was first year, fifth and sixth grade reading teacher um, and in school to be a teacher. Uh, it was <laughs> and a mother of two kids, a baby that was one. Um, it was crazy. It was definitely out of four year old, one year old, and it was completely crazy. It was the worst year of, uh, I didn't think I would ever be able to be a teacher because then I had to go to school on, on the weekends. I had to juggle the children. Um, of course, you know, teachers don't make a lot um, coming in. And so I remember, of course, not having a lot of money. Um, so my classroom could not be um, Pinterest ready or I didn't have a lot of money to spend on resources as some of the, the teachers who have been teaching for 20 years um, had. And there was no place that you can just go and get things um, as far as like free things. So what I did was I, I spent a lot of six, seven, eight dollars. I did a lot of things to print out on computers in different colors on the paper. And I had uh, made sure that I had a lot of um, things that the students did, a lot of the student work. I was very student focused. Um, I will never forget that the best coach of my life was my assistant principal, um, Mrs. Uh, James. 
and well she was mrs pickett then but mrs james she stayed on me i thought she was the worst person on the face of the earth but she really 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 helped me become a better teacher because she coached me she came in and she asked those questions about what it is that i didn't know um and, and about things that i had and things that were wrong and you know you were always trying to impress your principal um, but she really coached and really sat down and really talked to me and so in the beginning, I felt like it was an attack on me. But as time went, I started to grow. And I started to then become the teacher that um, I can say I am today. And because of that experience, that helped me to coach, um, to coach other teachers. Um, I was able to kind of learn the classes I was taking was kind of, you know, coming to repeat because I took some of those block classes already. Um, but that that real life experience in the classroom um, experience was kind of the best um, teaching lesson for me um, into becoming a teacher. Um, and so that was a big thing. I think uh, that was just the beginning. I will never forget at the end of that first year, um, I had to do a curriculum map and had no clue as to what it is that I wanted and how to create it. Um, and I Googled a lot and I did a lot of research and I kind of just found my way um, and I put those things together. And that's when I found out that this is what I loved. I loved education. I loved being a teacher. I loved working with students. And it doesn't take all of that um, that uh, fluff or keeping up with the Joneses or all of the things that, that makes the classroom because the classroom can be beautiful and no instruction can be happening. And so throughout my experiences, that's kind of what I've learned. Um, for me, I think what makes me a better teacher is some of the experiences that I had because I did a transition to teaching program and because I have went down several other career paths and I have uh, been involved and I was a single mom and I was on section aid and I got food stamps and I did all those things by me working in a low income uh, district and really working with those parents. I have avenues in which I can connect with my parents. And I have avenues in which I can connect with my students. And so I think that that allows me having those experiences to have that personal connection, whereas I wouldn't have those connections with teachers if I had to just went, um, I mean, with parents, if I had to just went straight through school and graduated and became a teacher. Um, looking at the different career paths, having that experiences in beauty school, those are all things that I can say as a single mom and a parent, um, I can relate to someone else who may be having that struggle. And so the student may be um, misbehaving in class and I'm able to call mom and mom can be stressed out. And I can say, I understand, I've been in your shoes. I know we're working as a team to get um, little Johnny on to where he needs to go. And so how about we work together because I understand. And so that experience I believe has allowed me um, to really meet or to um, cross some of the bridges where sometimes some other uh, teachers are not able to. So I was able to take a lot of things from coming from a, a, a family, um, a two parent household. And so I'm able to kind of apply some of that um, to my students in, in the classroom. I understand that every uh, child that I work with may not have a father at home, but I do understand that there has to be some type of balance. And so I'm able to kind of fill in some of those gaps when I'm in the classroom 
because being a teacher is more than just teaching the subject area. It's also, of course, you know, we teach social skills. We have those kind of conversations with students. And so I know that there are values in which every single parent um, wants instilled into their children. And so I take those values that my parents gave me and I try to instill those values into each one of my students um, today and even into as as being a coach I try to live by those ethics and live by those rules and I try to help teachers to understand um, that every single child that you are teaching may not come from a, a two-family household but their parent still has those same values and still want to um, instill those things into uh, their child and how we can help how we can then help um, be that balance or that additional support to those single parents. So as I reflect back on the struggles and the different things that I've had, um, obstacles that have came up, because I truly believe that if I had not had those obstacles, then I cannot be who I am today. I don't really know why <laughs> I kept going, um, but I looked at my son and I knew that in order for him to be successful, I needed to be successful. I knew that the kind of lifestyle that I was accustomed to, and I knew that the things that I was accustomed to having were some of the same things that I wanted to provide for my children. Um, and so I think that when things hit me in the face, I tried to turn the other cheek, or I tried to just say it's happening for a reason. And so I'm able to um, keep it moving. I mean, the, the story, you know, being a teacher, even in my career as an educator, um, I had to keep keep going. There are plenty of times where I got knocked down. Um, for instance, when I first became a teacher, um, it was an overflow of teachers. So I got ripped every year for my first two or three years. So I taught in Gary Community Schools for two years. Um, and then I was, and I taught at a charter school and the third year I got rift. And when I got rift, um, due to the seniority, they had opened up about four charter schools. And something told me, and I truly believe it was the Lord that told me that um, I was not going to get called back. And so a situation happened between me and my um, younger two, because at this time I had three kids, um, my younger two's father, and I packed and I left on faith. Um, I moved to Indianapolis all in two, three days. Um, I remember the situation <laughs> just like it was yesterday. Um, I, we, we kind of had a, a very disagree, a, a really bad disagreement. I knew that I wasn't going to have employment and I knew that there were jobs just 200 miles down the road. And so I, where I knew it was going to be hard for me to be with three children by myself, a one-year-old, a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, um, I, I, that Sunday, I cleaned out my storage. That Monday, I got on the road to Indianapolis. Um, I knew a couple of friends that graduated from here, kind of stayed at their house. Um, that Tuesday, I found somewhere to live, put in an application. That Thursday, I had keys to an apartment. That Friday, I had moved in. I literally moved to Indianapolis within five days with no job. And all I had was unemployment with three babies. I can say I stepped out on faith. I prayed about it. And I just went for the gusto. And so when I did that, 
I think things just start to fall in place. It was it was a struggle. Um, it, it was it was <laughs> kind of crazy. I went and I applied at IPS. Um, they had a couple of openings. Principals were on vacation. Um, the lady that was there was actually a soror, and so she looked at me and she was in my sorority and she said, "Oh, geez, I, I gotta help you." She was leaving to go on uh, leave because she was having surgery that same day. Um, and so she uh, helps me put in my application and work me through that process. And then she sent me out to principals and I ended up getting, I interviewed with several principals. I ended up getting four choices. I chose one. Um, but even at that, I got rift at the end of the year again. Um, and I got moved and then I was in a cohort and then it didn't come without struggle. And then so many people were totally against me. Um, and so it was like, oh, look at her. She thinks she knows this. Oh, look at her. She did that. But there were some people that were in my corner that were like, oh, you need to be an administrator. Oh, I know you need to be an administrator. You need to be an administrator. And I heard it so many times that I decided to go ahead and be and complete classes um, to be an administrator. And so at that point I did. Um, and that didn't come without struggles either. Um, and so that, that kind of was how my story just kept going. Um, I think that the struggles or the, the hurdles in order for me to get there makes me truly a better educator. And it makes me um, be able to coach teachers better because I'm able to sit down and really have those conversations and understand their struggles and their frustrations and, and all of those things. And so I think that that has just helped me um to 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 just you know to to be that person or to be that light or to to be that sounding board um when teachers are struggling so as my journey in education continues um it was just um an awesome experience i finally finished my admin degree um and i was shifted to different buildings because of being rift um and some positions i actually left because i didn't feel as though i was being valued and that was okay as a teacher. Um, I had to come to that terms where sometimes I had to find my niche and my place um, in a building. I know that everyone doesn't, um, there, there are some teachers that have been at buildings for 20 years and that has not been my case. Every single year that I've taught, I think I've been at different buildings and different roles. Um, and so I say that, you know, having those roles and those experiences also helped me in the classroom as a teacher. It helps me be an administrator and it helps me be an even better coach um, throughout that process. So I have worked as um, classroom teacher from kindergarten, first grade, up into intermediate, fifth and sixth grade. Um, one year that I was rift, I had the opportunity to do some special education in the high school area. Um, and that was kind of cool because it, it prepared me for my job now, which back then I really didn't know about. Um, and so I've been an instructional coach, a differentiated accountability coach, um, an assistant principal, and I work for the Indiana Department of Education as a school improvement and turnaround specialist. Um, my current role as back in the role of instructional coach in the high school, though, um, is really exciting because um, I'm able to utilize a lot of those elementary um, years of, of experience and bring it to coaching um, those secondary teachers, where sometimes they kind of struggle with um, 
working with content <laughs> versus um, instructional strategies and being student focused. Um, so I think that that is the struggle sometimes with um, the secondary um, education, especially working in a very low, um, rough secondary um, high school. And so this year, of course, it wouldn't be Nicole that wouldn't come without um, having some type of struggles. Um, two years ago, when I was a district coach, um, my father was diagnosed with stage four bladder cancer. Um, it was something that we did not know. Um, he actually, how it came about was he was visiting here in Indianapolis. Um, my daughter had got her tonsils removed and it was the week before my spring break and he came down. Um, and during that time, we have found, well, he had um, had some other episode of, of some things. We found some blood um, and I took him to an emergency room here. Um, and then they recommended that he go see a urologist. And so from there, it kind of just went where he was stage four cancer out the blue. Um, well, my father, a survivor, um, he went through chemo. He went through all of those things. I mean, you couldn't tell me that he wasn't normal, had a kidney removed. He did all those things at the age of 78. Um, unfortunately, um, in August of the beginning of this school year, the day before um, school started in July, um, July 29th, I believe was the day he was diagnosed with, um, he had had two strokes and uh, he was put in the hospital. They found six tumors in the brain and he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, after he had been in remission, they gave him radiation. After the radiation, he didn't really know who we were and what we were. Um, and so the struggle with that at the beginning of this school year was that I started the year off. Um, I started the summer or the training off with a bang and very excited about the new role but things can turn on your personal life instantly where you still have to perform um, in your professional life. And so, whereas I was at school Monday through Friday and I was on a highway Friday night and I was back on Sunday and then I still had three children who are very active with as a sophomore in high school um, and then a seventh and eighth, a seventh grade daughter and a, a fourth grade son who are very active in football and cheerleading and all of those things I had to kind of Keep a balance for all of that. But my the thing that kept me sane was that I knew that every time I showed up at work, I was helping children um, and I was helping them to become better people. And I was helping them to become somebody in, in the world. And even if it was a small uh, conversation that I had, or even if it was working with teachers so that they can improve on their instruction, um, I, that was what kept me sane and kept me going. Um, unfortunately, my father lost his battle to cancer on October 13th, which is two days before my birthday. So this semester has been, I believe, the roughest of all when it comes to talking about your struggles and being able to deal with, you know, being a parent and then being with um, being a, an educator as well. But one thing that I do want to say is that I want to keep to encourage any educator out there that's struggling with becoming an educator or struggling with staying in the classroom, know that the children need you and know that you are putting your all into them 
and that it's not an instant gratification piece. It's something that you will see later on. Um, like I've seen some of my students who were completely terrible in class <laughs> now, and I see them on Facebook or they'll, I run into them in the store and they're doing great. Um, one served me at Wendy's and she's a junior <laughs> the other week. And it was a great uh, thing for me to, um, to kind of see that. And so know that education is not something that is instantly gratified. I do understand that there are a lot of struggles and that we put a lot of things into it and that we're not appreciated, but know that your, your gratification comes at a later time um, whenever you're dealing with or working with students. Um, so know that there is hope <laughs> at the end. Um, know that you can handle uh, both um, personal struggles and work struggles. And one thing that I do want to say is that in education, you have to find your niche of who you are as an educator. Everyone is not meant to work in the low socioeconomic school districts. Everyone is not meant to work in the uh, affluent school districts. Everyone is not meant to work in the Catholic schools and the charter schools and the private schools and the daycares in the preschools and the high schools. I mean, everyone is not meant to work there. So you need to do some self-searching within yourself, and that's what I did, to learn what it is that you can take and what your niche is. And from that piece, you are able to better serve children. And so if your principal tells you that this may not be a good fit for you, you know, that's an obstacle. But it's also a time, a good time for reflection. And it's a good time for you to figure out, is this what I really want to do? Not the field of education, but are these the type of students that I am purposely here to serve? Because I know that I could never work in an affluent area. I like the, the, the roughness of the children. I like the <laughs> being able to really, you know, make that instant change and really dig deep into some of those things. Whereas some kiddos, you know, in some affluent areas or some Catholic school areas or some of those things, they're not as rough. And so you don't have some of those type of opportunities, whereas in some of the, you know, uh, lower social economic areas, you do have some of those opportunities. Um, to kind of make some different changes. So my biggest um, thing would be to make sure that you as an educator find your niche um, in the field of education and to go for it, keep striving. Don't let any obstacle stop you um, from becoming who you are and becoming the educator that you are supposed to be. Wow, wasn't that an empowering message from Nicole? She is such a strong educator. I love her message about being a great teacher, even if you didn't originally major in education or you're not able to create that Pinteresty classroom. She embodies perseverance. And I can't even imagine going through all of the struggles that she mentioned in her story and still coming out with a positive perspective and the drive to just keep moving. So I finally had to ask her what is on the horizon for her. And then how we can connect and follow her story as it continues to unfold. So here's what she said. Well, what's next for Nicole? <laughs> um, so much that I have um, done and been through in um, the last 60, 70 days um, has really allowed me to um, do some soul searching 
um, about what's next for Nicole and who Nicole is and what is my God-given purpose? What is my purpose here um, on earth and why am I here? Um, you know, when my father passed, um, anyone who knows me knows that I was a daddy's girl or I am a daddy's girl forever. Um, and no slight to my mom, I love her, <laughs> but I am definitely a daddy's girl. And so, you know, I was working with my mom and we were writing my father's obituary. And when we were writing that obituary, you know, it gave me a true um, reflection of myself. And so what I did with that reflection is that I spent a couple of days because I didn't go right back to work. I will say I did take a few days off um, after the funeral to kind of just lay there and kind of think about. And the question that I posed myself was, well, it was two questions that I posed myself. Um, the first question is, is that I took a copy of my resume and, and I took a white piece of paper and I covered all of the education that I had, the degrees that I had, the experiences that I had in the field of education professionally and looked at my name and said, who is Nicole Turner? Um, and then the second thing that I did, um, exercise that I did was I looked at my at the obituary of my father and I said, if this said Nicole Turner, what legacy or what do I want my obituary to say about me? And so those two things were very powerful for me. Who am I and what do I want to leave? What legacy do I want to leave um, here on earth? And so that allowed me to do some soul searching for a couple of a couple of days and a couple of weeks. And so um, that really formulated me to think about those things. And when, when I did, I, I know that my purpose is to coach and is to help people. Um, I have that that personality that, um, as my mom said, you'll never meet a stranger girl <laughs> in that. And, and so having that that personality. Um, but I really think that my purpose here is to really help teachers to become better teachers, to really help children. And so my main purpose, I feel like my legacy would be to be a person who has improved the lives of others um, and improved the lives of children um, so that they can become citizens. Um, and so that I can help to instill some of those uh, values that were instilled in me um, into children. And so I thought about it. Now, what is a better way that I could reach a larger audience? Because I work with teachers in my building and as a district coach, I've worked with district and as a, um, working for the state, I work with 55 schools across the state of Indiana. So I was able to reach um, more people um, in that way, but I wanted to have a platform um, a place to go that was not like anywhere else. And so um, I had a great idea and I was going to um, have this website and it was going to be all these different little things. Um, and it was very similar to a lot of things that some of the other teachers are out blogging about. Um, but I did develop a website um, and it's called Teachers Caravan. Um, I also have another website and it's called Coaching Caravan. Um, so you can feel free to contact me, um, teacherscaravan.com is the uh, teachers for teachers, coachingcaravan.com is for the instructional coaches, 
Um, my email address for Teachers Caravan is teacherscaravan at gmail.com. And for Coaching Caravan, it is coachingcaravan16 at gmail.com. So if you want to reach out to me, feel free to. Um, at Instagram, we are at Coaching Caravan and at Teachers Caravan. Um, we have a Facebook group. You could Google Teachers Caravan and Coaching Caravan on Facebook. Um, Pinterest boards, they're just starting. So all of you uh, pinners out there, uh, just hold tight. We will be starting to uh, pin <laughs> plenty of things um, that, are, that are coming on. Um, and so you can follow Teachers Caravan on Blog Loving as well. Um, and I look forward to working with you. Um, I hope that I have been an inspiration to someone. Um, and hopefully, I think that, I, or I would want that my story, my struggles um, to get out there and, and, and to be a, a place for everyone to know that even though you have obstacles, um, they can be, be overcome. Um, and that all you need to do is devise a plan of action and work your plan. Um, I thank you so much, Gretchen, for uh, allowing me to be a part of this. Um, and again, if you would like to reach me, teacherscaravan at gmail.com for teachers or coachingcaravan16 at gmail.com for coaches and admin. Thank you. Make sure you check out the show notes. Just go to alwayslesson.com and you'll see a tab for podcast and you'll find Nicole's episode there. So she's got links for her Teachers Pay Teacher store, her e-courses, her e-book, private Facebook groups for Coaching Caravan and Teachers Caravan. She's also got live membership webinars. She has got it going on. So make sure you go to the show notes to grab those links and connect with Nicole today. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Nicole Turner. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.